Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to contemplating how God's preached Word impacts every moment of our lives. This sermon was preached at Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska by Pastor Tim Barone. Well, grace and peace to you this fourth Sunday in Advent. We're going to be looking at the prophecy that comes to us from the prophet Micah this morning. So if you want to open up a Bible to Micah chapter 5, uh, page 779, that would be useful. Um, I've caught a, a thought has kind of stuck in my head. Um, when, I, when we're thinking about the gospel, we're thinking about our relationship with God. And that is this, um, that God's office is at the end of your rope. God's office is at the end of your rope. And I think it's a useful thought because um, it tells us where to look for God, you know, and it it reveals to us when He might be found in our lives. Uh, So often we want to look for God at the height of our lives. We want to look for God in in our capacity, in our powers, when we uh, when we have things of this world, right, riches or fame or wealth, we kind of, the human instinct is to look for God there, but God is often revealed at the bottom. He's revealed when we come to the end of ourselves, when we have nothing left to give. And this is the, the pattern that's been given to us in the prophets of the Old Testament, especially these minor prophets we've been looking, looking at through this Advent season looking at how God's people called by him, called by God to be a light to the nations is that they would try their hardest, right? Uh, in Deuteronomy, uh, Moses gathered all the people and he said, hey, you guys are going to be a light to the nations and you should go out and you should show them what a righteous nation looks like so that they'll be attracted to you. They'll come into the nations. And this is what he says in Deuteronomy 4. He says, You know, uh, what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? And so the people were to follow God's law, to do what's right, to welcome in foreigners and widows and orphans, and uh, to, to show them how to live in this righteous way. And so they were to be that light. But we see in these minor prophets that they failed, that their mission to be the people of God was a failure. And so impending judgment was coming. All of these minor prophets are about 600 years before Jesus, maybe 700, and they're all talking about the Assyrians coming and destroying Israel, destroying Jerusalem, the Babylonians coming down and doing the same. And so it's all this kind of mixture, uh, but all of it is uh, that the human effort has failed, but in the middle of all of these woes and judgments on the human effort, uh, is this testimony of faithfulness of God, the testimony that He will uphold His Word even when the human effort has failed. And so as we look at this, we can discern this pattern, and we can try to understand what the Holy Spirit is trying to gently reveal to us, right, that we are like the people of Israel, right? We are like that same people. We have the same DNA, the same problem in that we we often think we can do it, right? We think we're going to be enough. We think we can do what we uh, promise to do, but so often we fall short. We fail. And in the midst of that failure, 
God's hope does not diminish, right? In the midst of our shortcomings, uh, God is often revealed. His character is shining forth that He is not like us. He upholds His promises. He does what He says He's going to do. And so that's the, the kind of uh, gentle therapy we've been going through is just seeing this back and forth, seeing uh, the difficulty, the failure of humans who come to the end of their rope and they find themselves in God's office, right? Talking with the living God uh, when they've despaired of themselves and He coming through for them. And so, so it is for us today. And so I think before we get to our prophet for today, we should think about our own uh, similarities with the people of Israel before the fall of Jerusalem. We should think about just our own limitations, you know. And I think Christmas in particular, and the seasons leading up to Christmas, it kind of does a good job of preparing us for this because it points out how limited we are, right? It points out just how many Christmas parties can you go to, right? How many letters can you write uh, to people who are out there, right? How many things can you do in expectation of the, the coming season, remember I, I was at the store and I got a text message, oh, also we need cookies. The kids need cookies. And it seems like that kind of thing just happens again and again. And we just end up hitting our rev limiter, right? If you just hold the gas down on your car for long enough, you're going to hit that rev limiter and you recognize, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Anyone there? <laughs> and you think, I kind of can't wait for Christmas to be over because there's just so many competing directions for us to go in, so many things pulling us in so many different directions, and, and we recognize uh, we're at the end of ourselves. We have nothing left to give. And that honestly is kind of a, a low problem, right? Being too busy around Christmas isn't fun, but it's really not a huge issue. It's kind of a first world problem, right? But there's other things too. You know, we are kind of preyed upon in our world uh, with being pulled in distraction, right? The word advertised, right, is to advertise, right? It's to take your attention somewhere else. And I just saw that on YouTube, they just passed a trillion hours of people watching uh, content for um, a video game, Minecraft. A trillion. It's actually a pretty hard number to conceive of, but for a trillion hours, people have been focused on Minecraft. And I was just thinking, what would that be like if a trillion hours, mostly young people, mostly young males, a trillion hours were given to reading the scripture? And I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with Minecraft. I just want to point out just how powerful the mediums are that we are plugged into and how many things know how to hack our dopamine systems and get our attention so effectively that we almost can't have important conversations, right? And we find that we're at the limit of our ability to focus on what's truly important. And all of us feel this. That we are pulled in so many different thought patterns, and it's actually a spiritual crisis in our time. Uh, there's other things too, like if you've been running around trying to get Christmas gifts or doing that kind of thing, how has your language been, right? You are also called by God to, to pour forth wisdom with your speech, to, to point people to Christ, 
right, to lift people up. Uh, the Bible tells us that in the power of the tongue is the power to kill and to make alive. And you are called to use your tongue to make things alive, right, to encourage people. Uh, but how often is it so much easier just to let a string of curse words just fly when you get cut off? It's easy, right? And it feels kind of good. And it's interesting what we do with our language when we're at the end of ourselves. When you don't have any more energy, any more patience, we end up yelling. We end up using words that describe excrement usually, right? That's our curse words. Yep. Poop words. Uh, and language that degrades sexuality. Those are usually the two major categories. There's a few others, but that's about it. And so with our language, we end up taking what is unholy and throwing it in the middle of it to try to make sense of our lives, or taking things that are good and throwing them down. And that's the language that inhabits our, our mouths, right? Comes, our minds are distracted, our mouths are distracted, and, and we end up at the limit of ourselves, or we just end up yelling, right? When our stress level hits the roof, and we just end up yelling at people, yelling at our kids, you know? Merry Christmas, kids! Get ready! And it's just the stress is coming out of us. We come to the end of ourselves. Or we, we have a very serious issue with you just can't do it all. You just can't control it all. It's hard for us to stomach that, but it, if you think about this reality that there's so many relationships in your life that are broken, and you recognize, I, I just can't fix it. I can show up 100% every day of my life, but I cannot fix that other person. I cannot fix that relationship. Maybe you're you know, one of the people getting squished in between the generations, and you're trying to care for your kids or your grandkids, and you're trying to care for your aging parents. And that's all on you. And you recognize, I just, I just don't have enough me to go around. And I can't effectively recruit the help I need from the other people. And so I'm just stuck. I'm coming to the end of myself. Or you recognize that all of these situations, instead of you making that situation better or that other person better, they're making you worse. And you see your vulnerability to these things. You see, you wish you had the strength, but you don't. You wish you were more mature emotionally, spiritually, but you aren't. You come to the end of your abilities to cope with these things. And so we are limited, and because of this limitation, we're often ineffective at the things that God has called us to do and created us to do. Uh, St. Paul kind of brings us up in Romans chapter 7. He recognizes his limitations when it comes to doing what's right. And he says, you know, the things I want to do, I end up not doing. And the things I don't want to do, the things I hate, those are the things I end up keep doing. And he, he ends up with this despairing thought, who can rescue me from this body of death? Right? When he sees his limitations, the temptation is possibly to go straight to despair. If I can't fix it, I'm toast. So what's the point? But immediately after that, he doesn't stay there. He immediately goes from despair to rejoicing. He says, Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so I want to bring this up because I think we're in the same situation often. We have the same kind of 
uh, options before us. We can see our limitations and see our shortcomings and say, well, forget it, right? Um, I'm just going to try my best, go for the best, but you know what? I'm not going to expect too much, and it's just going to be the way it is. There's not going to be any healing. There's not going to be any joy. There's not going to be any change. It's just going to be what it is. Or we can recognize our weakness in this matter, and we can rejoice because of what God has done and because of his faithfulness. And that's really the message that these prophets are giving to us. It's that in our weakness, God is strong. In our failures, God succeeds. And so what is the hopeful outcome of this is to praise him for what he's done. That Christians, when they see the brokenness of of themselves in particular, of this world, but of themselves, they praise God for what he is doing and what he will do. And they rely more on him instead of despairing alone. And so, with that in mind, let's look together at the credentials of the one who is promised to come in the book of Micah. So, Micah chapter 5. Here we have one of the most specific uh, prophecies about Jesus. In particular, it prophesies that he will come from Bethlehem, uh, the house of David, right? Um, And this is in, in the Gospel of Matthew. This is what King Herod knows as he goes to try to kill all the young uh, children in, in Bethlehem, he figures out where uh, the Messiah is to come from. And so here we have the prophecy that points this out. So he says this to start, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days." The first thing I want you to see about this coming king is that he is from of old, from ancient days. Some translations uh, helpfully say he's from eternity. He's from eternity. And so if you take that seriously, this, this one who's coming from of old, from ancient days, that he's coming to be a ruler and a king, uh, we immediately have a spark of hope. Because if it was just Jim Bob coming right, or just another broken human coming, we would say, well, that's nice, but this one is eternal. And who is eternal except for God himself? There are many faiths, uh, so-called in this country, that deny the divinity of Christ. Uh, Mormons deny the divinity of Christ. Many ordinary people deny the divinity of Christ. But as soon as you do that, then you just have a normal human coming to help. It's not really a cause for celebration. But here we have this testimony. Who is this who is coming? He's coming is of ancient days. He is a powerful one. He's eternal. And if an eternal one is coming to help you, that truly is good news. Because an eternal one can help. An eternal one isn't limited like you. He's unlimited. So this is no ordinary man coming to help. This is God himself coming. The prophet goes on in verse 3. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. That's the Virgin Mary. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord 
and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. So again, this one is coming from eternity. That marks him out as divine. But also it says that he has a mission. He's going to stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. That's what he's going to do when he arrives. And so here we have another great testimony. First of all, uh, how is this one going to stand? Again, if this was a normal human, wouldn't be the best news here. But since this is an eternal one, and if we think about this word stand, how does Jesus stand on the earth? You know what the word resurrection, the word resurrection means to stand again. It means that he was taken out, he was killed, he was destroyed, and yet he stands again. He stands on the earth. And again, if this one is coming from ancient days, if he's eternal, and if he cannot be run over, if he cannot be stopped, what do you do with a guy you can't kill, who won't stay dead? And the good news is this one comes for you, right? This one comes to be a shepherd, to be one who comes, uh, comes to rule over you and to shepherd you with strength in the majesty and in the name of the Lord. And so, of course, the outcome of this is just as it says here, they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great. And so if it is the case that God himself has come down to be your shepherd in the person of Jesus, in the, in the, in the baby laid in swaddling cloths, God has come down to be your God and to be your shepherd. Of course, the true outcome of that action is security. Is security. You're limited. Uh, you hit your rev limiter. You find the end of your rope. Will this one ever, will that ever happen to him? No. He's unlimited. He's unkillable. He's risen never to die again. And he comes to shepherd you in righteousness with the strength of God. And so as we absorb that information about the faithfulness of God, can't it also take away some of those anxieties, some of those fears? If we have the big issues of our life, of our existence solved by the coming of Jesus, wouldn't that be a blessing for us to imbibe and to believe? We dwell secure under his care. He goes on to say, He shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. I love this that it says he will be their peace. It's not just that he will cause them to have peace, do you see? But he himself will be their peace. Uh, there's a good movie, um, Miss Congeniality. I don't know, it's been a long time ago now. But basically it's a, it's a beauty pageant, you know, kind of thing. And um, anyway, in the, in the movie, it, during the beauty pageant, all, it's kind of funny because all the contestants, they all say, you know, what do you want or what do you hope for? And they all say, world peace, world peace. And it's like this, this kind of cliche line. Oh, yeah, what are we aiming for? World peace, right? That's what we want. And the world has been searching for peace, trying to obtain peace. But the world can only use the powers that it has, right? The world can only use uh, power, coercion, taxes, violence. This is the only way that, the only tools that are available to earthly rulers. And so inevitably, 
their attempts fail. They can't bring about world peace because they rule by the sword. They bring vengeance, right? And that causes a reaction. And so, world peace can never be accomplished by human authorities. But how did our good shepherd, how did he come down to be our peace? Instead of dealing violence, he absorbed violence. Right? Instead of coercion, uh, he called to faith. He absorbed our sin, absorbed our violence, absorbed our corruption, and he was unlimited. He took it all upon himself and triumphed over it. And so he calls to all people, come and lay down your sins, come and lay down your vengeance. Find a new way in forgiveness, and I will be your peace. And so when we think about this, this God who comes down, who comes down with faithfulness, uh, what should we think about today? Do you need this shepherd? Do you need this shepherd in your life? Or do you think you got it? You know, if we go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, uh, the first temptation or the, the first temptation of the heart you know, we often think it's just simply disobeying and taking uh, the forbidden fruit. But really, what was the temptation? Uh, the serpent said to them, you will be like God. You will be like God. In other words, Adam and Eve were not content to be simple, human, dependent creatures. Instead, they thought, I'm going to transcend my humanity, I'm going to transcend my limitations, and I'm going to call the shots. I'm going to know what's right and what's wrong, and I'm going to be my own shepherd. So, when Jesus comes down to be our shepherd, he's calling out, do you sense your vulnerability? Do you sense your limitations? Do you know how weak you are, and do you see that you need me? Do you see that you need my strength? Do you see that you will have no peace apart from me coming to dwell with you again? And this is what we're doing, friends, together as we gather around Jesus, around his words, and around his sacrament. We're coming, we're acknowledging, I don't, I don't have all the answers. I'm limited. I need a shepherd. And this is what Jesus does for us when he comes to us in this worship time. He comes and he calms our minds. The Holy Spirit fights against the distractions in your mind, right? Blipping around from every little thing, forgetting about what's important. He calls out, be still and know that I am God. Uh, Jesus fills our, our language with his love, with praise, instead of our words being filled with curses. Our words are, are filled with hymns. Our mouths, our tongues are used to praise the Almighty God, His mercy and His love once again. He fills us. He opens our mouth. And we proclaim His glory. And when we come to God, we plead before our God for all of those things that we have failed in, in our friendships and our families, and all those limitations where we have fallen short, and we say, God, I, I can't, I cannot do these things you've called me to do, but I believe that you can. The good news is, right, that we have a God who doesn't get tired. We have a God who doesn't lay down on the job. He's working in your family. He's working 
with your friendships, even when you're not, even when you're weak, he's strong. He doesn't get tired. And he's always working for that. And so we commend ourselves to God. We say, help me to do this good work that you've asked me to do in this life and by your grace accomplish the things that I fail at. He hears that. He is the good shepherd not only for us but also for all who believe. And so this Jesus as he comes down, uh, what's a final thought we could take away from today? I would say this. As you're heading towards Christmas, as you feel those limitations hitting you, as you recognize that weakness in your life, embrace it. Embrace your creatureliness. Embrace your limitations. You can't do it all. No one can. But you have a God who has come to do it all for you. Don't try to be independent from Him. Don't try to be so secure in yourself that you ignore His promises. Instead, see the limitations and embrace your creatureliness. You were meant to walk before God as his creature, dependent on his care, on his love. And so, don't run from that. Embrace your creatureliness and embrace the eternal shepherd as he is embracing you. For God sent his eternal son to shepherd you into his peace, to order your mind so that your words, your speech might be pure, to bring your shattered family back into his eternal family. That's why he's here. He's here to shepherd you according to his good purposes. He is your great shepherd. He has not left you alone. You have someone who cares for you and who is powerful enough to change things. He is your great shepherd, and under his almighty care, we are saved. We are brought to peace, reconciliation with God and with each other. And the reason this works is because he is from eternity. He has no beginning. He will exist forever. He has no end. He's not killable anymore. He stands on the earth and shepherds his people with the power of the Almighty Lord. And it's under him that we truly have security and peace. Let's pray to him now. Uh, Lord Jesus Christ, we see that your coming is from of old, from ancient days. We pray, Lord, that we would learn to trust your voice, to trust your care in our lives more and more. Help us, Lord, not to be secure in ourselves that leads to destruction and disaster, but to rely on you in all things. Lord God, we thank you that you are enough for us, that you have accomplished what is needed for us in this life and the life to come through Jesus. And we thank you that all of these things belong to us in faith today. Uh, Bless us now as we're here. Fill us with good things and send us from this place with peace and security in our hearts. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.